Welcome to The Kitchen Table, a conversation about faith, music, and culture. Join Shine.fm's ministry director, Brian McIntyre-Utter, and his son, Jake, around the table for this week's chat. Welcome to The Kitchen Table Show. I am Jake. And I'm Brian. We are a father-son podcast talking about faith, music, and culture. To give you a little backstory of the show, I went off to college at a nearby university that dad works at. Dad wanted to continue having these faith discussions that he had given me all of my life. We also wanted to encourage other parents and young adults and children to have these faith discussions with their parents. And so we come weekly to the kitchen table or radio recording studio (laughs) to just kind of encourage these discussions around the kitchen table. Diving into the show, we start with the faith discussion. We kind of just have different questions or discussions of each week, and we try to bring new topics. And then we jump into Music Matters, and Music Matters is the segment where Dad and I kind of bring our music for the week, and then Dad brings an old one that he has had when he was a kid. I got Um, a fun one this week, too. Oh, do you? Yeah. And then moving into Culture Shock. Culture Shock is a uh, potpourri use different word this week, a potpourri of a mixed bag, so to speak, of just what's happening in our culture. So it could be a celebrity as an actor or sports figure, it could be a musical artist who is uh, making a difference for the kingdom of God. Yeah. And so we like to highlight those. It could be, you know, just an individual who's making a difference. And so we've got a, a story today that's pretty interesting for Culture Shock. Mm-hmm. So the program for this week, I want to put a disclaimer right up here at the beginning. Uh, We're going to be discussing a topic that might not be suitable for younger kids. So for the next 20 minutes or so, if you have younger kids and you're listening, perhaps in the car, I'll give you permission. Turn to another radio station. We're going to be talking about the topic of pornography this week. Yeah. Okay, so we're going to start with a story. I'm 19 years old. It's kind of hard for me because it's a very touchy subject. I... I've dealt with a pornography addiction since the sixth grade. That's when it started. Wow. This is the first time I've actually like, I mean, I've told people, but like it's different. Now it's it's out there. It's out there. Yeah. It tore me apart. It started in the sixth grade and just kind of started out very innocently curious. Just, ooh, what's this? And then it just kind of progressively got worse and worse and worse. It was just pornography up until about freshman year. And that's when I started to try and take things physical with other people. And that was kind of the start of a low period in my life. It is very hard, but it is very common with young men and young women too. I've actually learned that a lot since this whole, on this whole journey of recovery of this porn addiction, that a lot of people struggle with porn addiction. I think one of the main reasons it's so hard is because... It's a very private thing. Well, it's a sin that can easily be hidden. Yeah, it can. From a lot of people. And it's more prevalent than we acknowledge that it really is. Last week, I read a quote towards the beginning of the program. I want to restate that because I think that uh, the issue of pornography falls into this for from the parenting perspective. I don't know who said this thought, but I thought it was great. You cannot raise your children the way your parents raised you because your parents raised you for a world that no longer exists. Yeah. That has to do with pornography as well. Because it's so prevalent, it uh, is so easily accessible than it was from when I was a kid. I mean, there was no internet, you know. Video stores came along when I was, you know, a teenager. They were always in the back room, so to speak, and you couldn't have access to that unless you were a certain age. And whereas today, it's on a web browser, you can immediately find it. And so as a parent... 
the way that our parents raised us is completely different. Honestly, even the way I was raised, it was available. It was print form. Yeah. And relatives had it. I mean, my grandfather was one of the first subscribers of Playboy magazine. And he had every edition of the magazine in his house. He prided the fact of his collection. And of course, you got to keep it under lock and key because yeah. grandkids will find it. And so it is prevalent. Let's look at first what the Bible says about pornography. It is everywhere. We've tried to fight it, and it's impossible to fight it now because it is everywhere. But as parents, it's vitally important for us to protect our children, even though that they will be exposed to it. There's just no other way around it. It's extremely prevalent in our world today. It's more popular and accessible than it's ever been before. And just because it's available does not make it right. This is interesting. I hired a recent college grad several years ago who was accessing images at the office. And of course, we know what everyone's looking at at the office. And so called him on it. He just graduated from a Christian university and his response when he was called on it just totally shocked me. Well, everyone's doing it. What's the problem? And I don't know why that mentality happened. Many Christians struggle with the morality of pornography. So what does the Bible say about it? The truth is, if you want to please God, you should know that he views pornography negatively. Perhaps more than anything else, it's harmful because Satan has been successful in twisting and demolishing the true meaning of sex. Satan has taken sex, which is a gift from God, and replaced it with lust, adultery, rape, and pornography. Sexual deviance can be a very slippery slope for people. And... It increases their wickedness and immorality if they allow it into their lives. Uh, One of the main stories that I remember, and now I think there's a documentary that's out that's new, is is Ted Bundy. And Ted Bundy, in his final interview before he was executed, was with Dr. James Dobson. And Ted talked about the effect of pornography on his life and how it changed his view of women. Biblically, the Bible does not mention pornography doesn't mention cyber sex, all the different activities that are involved with that. However, it's very clear about how God feels about actions that promote sex outside of marriage and distorted views on sex. It conflicts with many of God's core principles of Christianity. The Bible states that when a married man keeps on looking at a woman to whom he is not married, nurturing a desire to have sex with her, it can lead to adultery. The principle behind this Bible statement would apply to anyone, whether they're married or they're single, who keeps looking at those images with the desire to engage in immorality. That behavior, obviously, is offensive to God. Now, there is some doubt whether there is a significant link between pornography and acts of uh, sexually offensive behavior. However, that does not make the use of pornography itself moral. The Bible says in Ephesians 5.3, Let fornication and uncleanliness of every sort or greediness not even be mentioned among you. God doesn't only want us to avoid watching pornography. He wants us to avoid reading and being around anyone that talks about that. We shouldn't entertain ideas that are sinful in his eyes and try to steer clear of situations where it might be brought up. Now, whether it's explicit images or whether they call this soft porn nowadays... These depictions are a misuse of the sexual gift that God has created for us to be used in a marriage. We know now, and psychologists will tell you, that this damages the mind and it affects the relationships of the one who views it. You know, the seventh commandment says, you should not commit adultery, which is more than just physical cheating on a spouse. Mm. The commandment means to protect your marriage and family unit. 
the only acceptable expression of sexual love should be in a marriage. So when you're viewing images like that, you're going directly against the commandment and are emotionally cheating on your spouse. Now, we are given a way to be forgiven through Jesus Christ. And scripture states that all sin can be forgiven if we repent and ask Jesus to help us to avoid that sin again. It can be avoided. There's a tremendous guilt factor that comes into play. And trust me, parents, does not matter. Your children will be exposed to this at one point or another. Unfortunately, it's become so accessible that you just you just can't avoid it, unfortunately. I know a big thing for me, talking to you and mom, mm-hmm. it's really hard. I had been caught before, I think multi- like three times. But you need to make sure that if you truly want to stop, it sounds bad, but you have to reach a breaking point because that's how you stop. And it's awful that it has to work that way. When I told mom and dad about this, it was after I got busted and then I kept doing it and I felt really guilty about it. And so that's when I came because my youth pastor was talking to me about it. You can't do this alone. No matter how much you want to, no matter what people will think of you, because people will still love you. That's one thing I really struggled with. I thought people wouldn't love me anymore. I thought people were going to think of me as a pervert, as an inappropriate, slimy pig, because that's what I thought of myself. If the person you tell truly loves you and truly loves God, they will help you. They will be there for you every step of the way. But you have to, you have to be open about it. Parents, one of the biggest things that you two did for me was told me, you told me that you messed up and it made it more open to be open about my struggles and that's why I'm a big fan of being vulnerable with each other and being honest because it's easier for us as children to open correct me if I'm wrong dad but as parents you do not want to look like you've messed up you want to be perfect for your I that's what I'm assuming you want to look perfect for your child you don't want your child to think that you're a mess up at least me I did not want to disappoint you at all well the fact of the matter is no one's perfect Everyone has failed. And I think being vulnerable with your children and being honest with your children about your own personal failings helps them know that you are relating to failure in their life. There was a, I heard a story about this men's conference. I think there was five tables and around each table were like 12 guys. What they did is they asked each table to determine who the strongest guy at the table was. This is a totally macho, hard, you know, Tim Allen home improvement growling kind of thing. Yeah. And so they they named each table named one guy as their strongest guy. So they had those five guys come up and he said, now we're going to find out who's the strongest guy in the room. So they decided to decide it with push-ups. And so they started, the five of these guys started doing push-ups. And didn't matter how many push-ups they did, it was just an endurance test. Just keep doing push-ups. The last person to do push-ups would be the winner. So they started. Within two minutes, two of the guys had already quit. A minute later, the third guy quit. This was down to two. And these two guys went another minute. Then it went two minutes. Then they went three minutes. And finally, one of them couldn't lift his chest off the floor anymore. And so he was done, and they declared a winner. So they took this winner, and uh, they had the winner sit on his throne. So they got this chair. And it was in front of the rest of the guys there. And with the winner's permission, they zip-tied this guy's arms and ankles to the chair. And then they said, let's see how strong you are now. Get out of the chair. So as you can imagine, the guy tries to break the zip-ties. He strains to pull his wrists up. 
made a great effort to move his legs, but only flipped over in his chair to the ground. So the guy that was leading this men's conference, he asked this question. How was the strongest man in the room rendered utterly powerless by four thin plastic pieces? How could something so trivial completely incapacitate a man of great strength? Pornography binds roughly 70% of Christian men in the world. It is the most common zip tie that exists. It might seem trivial, but it results in broken relationships and tremendous shame, guilt, for men of all ages, even the strongest Christians, including, they say, half of the pastors and two-thirds of youth ministers have either have a current or a past struggle with pornography. That's from the Barner Group. The impact of pornography on in men's life increases every year. There is much more content online. Three pornography sites are among the 10 most popular websites on the internet today. And porn providers target the occasional users. So once someone looks at it, Then they load up their phone and computers with cookies that alert other providers of interest. And so they're just, they're going after you. It's like baiting a fish. Younger men are more frequent users. According to that Barna report, Christian men between the ages of 13 and 24 are nearly twice as likely as Christian men 25 and older to use porn regularly. Parents, did you hear what I said? Twice as likely. Teenagers, twice as likely. College students, twice as likely. So how does this affect society? And a lot of times we just gloss over this. It objectifies and demeans women. Mm. It is abuse and exploitation of people, especially women. One thing about that, famous actor Terry Crews. Yes. It was a few years ago. He posted a video on Facebook talking about his porn addiction and how that really affected his viewpoint on women and how he objectified women. It's a great video. I don't know where to find it. I bet if you look on YouTube, Terry Crews porn addiction video, something like that. It's a good video. You should watch it. So the negative personal and relational impacts include that guilt that you talked about. It is an addiction, even among younger users. At an age when they're most vulnerable to mental health disorders and addictions is when that's popping up. A reduced capacity to love one's spouse, an increase in violence, and an increase in fidelity. So what is the one key thing to breaking free from that addiction? Now, not everyone who views it becomes an addict, and some men, once they recognize the negative consequences of it, are able to break that habit fairly quickly. But most men remain zip-tied for years. How is this strong man, zip-tied to the chair, going to be free? Can he struggle his way to freedom? Can he pray his way to freedom? What will it take to restore him to full strength? So this group of men, one guy in the back hollers, anybody got a knife? At that moment, the leader pulls out a pocket knife, and he uses it to free the guy from the chair. So the guy leaves from the chair, the other guys applaud, and then he went on to explain the lesson. Just as the strongest man in the room was unable to break himself free from zip ties, the strongest Christian can find himself unable to break free from sin on his own. He needs help from God and the support of his brothers. When it comes to the sin of pornography, men are not likely to go to church to get help. So where do we find the pocket knife? For Christians, again, according to Barna, using porn comes with feelings of guilt and shame, and many local faith communities do not seem like safe places to admit a struggle with sexual sin. A handful of churches offer recovery and accountability groups, which can be helpful to some, but most Christian porn users are uncomfortable sharing their struggles in front of a group, so they need people that they can confide in to keep things confidential, and when you keep things confidential, they're more than likely to open, be open and honest with you. 
They need people to serve as accountability partners. Accountability is key to overcoming this. They need help with relational issues because often this is a symptom of a deeper relational pain that they are experiencing. Men today need friends and mentors. The need for friends and mentors today has never been greater. To tag on to that, I have a few resources that really helped me. The first one is a website or an organization, nonprofit, non-religious, non-anything really, just they want to end this pornography. Uh, the organization is called Fight the New Drug mm-hmm. because they understand that pornography is the new drug. I love this. They have a lot of information on just the effects of pornography on the mind. One of my favorite things that really helped me with my porn addiction, they have merchandise. And I know it's silly and I'm not trying to like make you buy their stuff, but they have a bracelet and it's called Fight the New Drug. And they have a shirt that I really loved. It's called Porn Kills Love. I wore that bracelet every day. It broke, unfortunately. I want to get a new one. <laughs> it was a great reminder that whenever I got into that mindset of, oh, I want to watch porn again, that God is bigger than this. God can help me through this. It, it's really good. Another resource that I also used, uh, my youth pastor actually brought this to me. It is called XXX Church. Right. XXX Church is a company that you, it, it's actually an app on your phone. Mm-hmm. Um is kind of a, you have to pay for it, which is kind of sad, but it's it's a good app to use. Um, I didn't really get to use it because I'm broke and I was embarrassed to ask for it. Um, but I knew you probably would have gotten you it for have me. should have asked. I know. It puts you into a group of people your age and it's kind of an accountability group, but then it also has, you can also choose your accountability partner that you know, you just have to have someone else who has the app. And anytime you look at something that is severely sketchy, and you can also block things through the app, but anytime you look at something that is uh, in that sort of range, it will notify the person, your accountability partner. Mm-hmm. It's really nice. One of the biggest things that helps to end it, as we said before, mentors, mm-hmm. accountability partners, friends, and for people who are the friends and the mentors and the accountability partners, from personal experience, we feel awful. We feel terrible about ourselves and we are coming out of desperation, out of the deepest, darkest depression ever. At least for me, it was. I was very depressed because I hated myself so much. Be a light to them. They need you. They need help. And if you can't handle that, point them to someone who can and also check up on them because they are putting a lot of trust in you. It's really helpful. So yeah, check those websites out, find someone. All right, I'm going to close the faith uh, topic briefly just with some specific ways you can search for grace the moment after the dark act happens. This is from a guy named Paul Maxwell. First, you need to know your enemy. Satan wants to destroy you, and he's using this. So know your enemy. Second thing is you want to fight self-hatred. Replace the groan of human self-hatred with an unbroken war cry of divine love. If you are tempted to wallow, don't let your good intuitive hatred of sin lead you to hate yourself. Be patient with yourself. God is patient. He is fighting for your life. He has not forgotten you. Another thing is to fight the haze. Keep praying. Keep gasping for air. Stay awake. Keep breathing. 
The Lord is my portion, therefore I will hope in him. Hope in him. Prayer is an act of hope. So keep taking that step forward. Fight that haze. Guard others. Pornography puts relational binders on us. It deeply impedes our ability to love others well. So the best course of action is to walk as if we have physical blinders on, tread slowly, and assume that we are currently very vulnerable and prone to treat those around us as subhuman. The Spirit works in us to keep the flesh from ruling us. The Keeper protects others from the consequences of our thinking that we are God. Fifth step, confess to a friend. I know that's going to be the hard part. The very hard part. A friend who will not excuse you, but equally as important, who will not crush you. When looking for help to get up from pornography indulgence, others only push us down. Find a friend that gives hope that heals when they hear confession. Mm. Use your clarity for good. What does that mean? Don't waste your regret. John Piper said that once. Use it for God's glory and your joy. Set up boundaries. Use the clarity that will surely fade before the next moment of temptation to build structures that will prevent this again. Go back and forth all you like on what structures are dumb and ineffective and which are sustainable. If you don't have any formal structures set up to prevent you from looking at this again in the future, you will absolutely, with 100% certainty, it's going to happen again. If you have no structures, you have no place to be picky. Choose something. You mentioned Triple uh, X Church as a resource. Covenant yeah. Eyes is another one. Remove devices, and this is what we did as parents. Yeah. No phones in the room, no computers in your bedroom. Also, Apple does have restrictions. They do. What we, what what I did to kind of like fight it, but keep it on my own. I did that, and then for the password, I looked away from my phone and just typed random numbers. So I didn't see the password. Really? Yeah. The thing is, is that if you're like a teenager or like a college student, do these certain websites. Because if you do like all mature websites, like 17 and up or whatever, right? you can't do like anything. Like, so I had to do a report. I was doing a report on pornography and I couldn't even look up like XXX church. Right. Because Wouldn't they had XXX. You. Right, right. So like do like specific websites. Uh, final thing. Know your God. God loves you so much. He is unsettled by us and brokenhearted with us. He does not depart from us. Wait in his love. Build yourself up in the Holy Spirit. Keep ourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. That's from Jude 1. Know the difference between the God mask Satan would wear to deceive you. Disgusted, distant, unavailable, disinterested. And remember the face of your real God is loving, patient, mm. working, unsurprised, unrelenting, unwavering in his grasp on you. He will not let you go. And that's our faith topic for today. It's time now for Music Matters. So Music Matters, again, Jake talked about the beginning of the program about how we love music and we bring some songs that uh, have spoken to us this week, maybe some new stuff, maybe some not so new stuff. And then we do get an old one in there, an oldie but goldie coming up. So I got a brand new song. I know you're a big fan of worship. I do. And so have you heard of uh, Thrive Worship? No, I haven't. Okay, Thrive Worship is actually the uh, worship group from Bayside Church in California. Uh, they have eight campuses now, and so they have a new song out that's called I Still Believe, and mm. then they did one of those parentheses things. Yeah. See, radio guys, we hate it when artists do parentheses, <laughs> because how do you introduce a song when... So it's called I Still Believe, parentheses, faithful always. Mm. So here's Thrive Worship. And I still believe 
like it. Pretty good. I knew you'd like it. I know you like the new worship stuff. I do. So my song for the week, it's 2015, but I love this guy. He has new music out. Ben Rector, one of my favorite artists of all time. Ben Rector is kind of in that secular slash Christian, the middle ground. You know what I mean? Like need to breathe. and Yeah. So um, Ben Rector releases very like positive hit music. And so he has this song called The Men That Drive Me Places. And uh, Ben Rector is a very lyrical writer. Mm-hmm. And I love it. I'm a very lyrical person. This song is about how the men that drive him to his concerts and to the airports yeah. are some of the most genuine, real people that he has met. Right. And so he, That's cool. he literally writes about like specific drivers that he's had and how he's connected with them. That's awesome. And so here's a snippet of The Men That Drive Me Places by Ben Rector. Just the way it goes, you dealt a good hand, and you get celebrated. Oh, how am I the only one who knows I'm half the man of the men that drive me places? I love that. You know why? Because people have stories. Yeah. Each one of those people that are taking him, you know, to the airport or wherever, they have a story. And Ben... Yeah cares enough about that individual that he listens to those stories. There's that show on television now about the kindness guy that travels without any money. I don't know. Uh, He traveled across the U.S. I forget the name of the show, but he traveled across the U.S. without any money, just relying on the kindness of people. And so he did it again, but this time he's traveling from Alaska all the way to Argentina. So I'm currently watching that on Netflix or Hulu or whatever, but um, that's awesome. It's all about kindness and seeing the kindness in people. So, all right. So now we go into our oldie but goldie. So the oldie but goldie. There's a backstory to this. So the summer of 1990, nine years before I was born. Yes, I was between my junior and senior year of college, and I did an internship for my degree in Nashville, Tennessee at Word Records. And my second day on the job was a meeting about marketing the brand new Petra record, Beyond Belief. And so we're in a hotel conference room and I was there because I was a part of the radio promotions team that was there doing an internship with them. And they're talking about what what they're gonna be doing to market this new record. And then um, they were talking about a poster wanting to create a poster with a lot of the album art. And so they asked the question, well, how big do we make this poster? And some guy says, well, I don't know how, what do college kids want today? And at that point, every eye in the room looked to me (laughs) because I was the only college student there. And I'm like, "Um, have you seen a college dorm room wall? It's typically white cinder block. Make the poster as big as you possibly can. (laughs) And literally it was like a three foot wide poster. That's That's awesome. It's a great one. But uh, during that time, I also... So you had something with Petra's poster. I did. I didn't know that. Yeah. That's awesome. And I was involved with, and this is good because I'm going to play a little bit of it. I'm not going to play all of it because it's a commercial, but I produced the uh, the radio commercial to promote their album Beyond Belief. And really? so we, we auditioned a ton of guys doing voices and we finally landed on this guy that's got this big, deep voice. And so I'm going to play actually just a little bit of the commercial. They're back and better than ever. You know, just the beginning. Yeah. The number two song from 1990. Petra did something that year with this record that no other artist had done up to that point. They were they had the number one selling album, and they had the number one song, Love, 
at the same time on three different charts. And then they had another song that was a rock song that was number one on the rock chart. So basically they were number one on every chart in really? Christian music at that time. No one had ever done it that before. But the, the song that was number one on three of those charts was actually the number two song for 1990, a song called Love. And here's a little clip of that. That's awesome. Fun fact about Petra. So my youth pastor, for winter retreat, the way we he would wake us up is he would blare Petra over the speakers in the hotel-ish thing that we stayed in. So that's how I woke up for winter retreat to Petra. And that wraps up Music Matters. And now moving into Culture Shock. All right, Culture Shock, we like to share when people are making a difference and impacting culture in a unique way, whether it's a celebrity or whether it's Joe Schmo down at the park bench. Joe Schmo? Yeah, Joe Schmo. That's his last name, Schmo. First name, Joe. This is actually a church in Indiana called Emmanuel Church. Larger church, they are making waves in the state of Indiana because they're a multi-campus site now, but several of their campuses are within high-security prisons. I think you told me about this earlier. Not well, on here, just like... Right. I don't think it was this one. There is a prison in, like, I think it's Alabama? Texas. Is it Texas? I think it's Texas. Texas, Alabama, Mississippi, somewhere down there, that <laughs> literally, that prison has been transformed. Yeah, that's the one you Transformed by God, and they are actually... Men will be transferred out of that prison to go to other prisons just to be a pastor in the other yeah. prisons. That's how cool it is. But this is a church that actually has planting churches themselves, satellite campuses of their church in prisons. And so it's, it's awesome. Uh, they, they have uh, several different microsite campuses that are serving in like the county jail, the community corrections work release center, a women's recovery center. And so they're just, they're just putting them everywhere. And so they're live streaming into prisons and they have volunteers who are facilitating small group discussions after the services. Two of the services are held at uh, Johnson County Community Correction Facility. The Johnson County Jail holds services on Wednesdays. Usually about 35 guys who are in the jail currently will attend that service. And they're they're just getting a version of that sermon, and then they have a discussion afterwards. So just so cool what this, what this church is doing, and super exciting to see that happen. Another church in uh, Texas, Gateway Church, which is the church, Carrie Job came out of that church, I yeah. believe. They just launched a campus within the state's largest maximum security prison. So over 650 inmates attended the first service, and the church has witnessed more than 500 men commit their lives to Christ. I love it when we think outside the box. That's awesome. So that's culture shock. We're going to celebrate that. And that brings a wrap to our uh, program this week. Thank you so much for tuning in to the kitchen table. We certainly love for you listening each and every week, and we love to get your feedback on the topics you want us to talk about. Maybe you want to continue the discussion. So a great way of doing that is by going to the shine.fm Facebook page and look for the kitchen table group. We'll invite you in, just uh, ask to be in. We'll let you in, of course. And that's where we just continue the conversation and discuss anything and everything that you want us to discuss in there. So again, find us at shine.fm 
Facebook page, The Kitchen Table Group. And be sure to subscribe Subscribe to the Shine.fm podcast channel because not only does this air on Shine.fm, we have the podcast available, not only this one, but several that are produced through the podcast channel that you will definitely enjoy. We got some brand new ones coming this next week from MomCast. Heather's got a new one. And then also a brand Shine new 180. Shine 180 story as well coming this week. So go find it on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you find podcasts, yeah. we're there. Check us out on YouTube as well. You can listen there as well. So thank you so much for uh, tuning in and have a wonderful night. Stay salty. Thanks for listening to The Kitchen Table on the Shine.fm podcast network from Olivet Nazarene University. Be sure to subscribe for more content delivered each week on faith, music, and culture.